This is Regin's Travels Podcast. All right, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Regin's Travels Podcast. This is Regin Reino and joining us today is Andrea Alvarado. She is a confidence and femininity coach, a motivational speaker, a life coach, and a musical theater actor. She's helping people create their lives a masterpiece and become a magnet of love, joy, and greatness. Hello, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Hi, Regin. Thank you so much for having me over. Hello to everyone who's listening and viewing. How are you doing right now there in Manila? I'm doing really, really good, keeping busy with my own inner work and with my work on my body and my business. How about you? Pretty busy with work, teaching online here in Bukidnon. And at the same time, if there's some free time, I'll do some exercise outdoors and doing this podcast. So important. It's so important to have (laughs) some time outside. Right, especially during this pandemic, it's really very important to have some, you know, movement You've been doing coaching lately. I've seen a lot of your Facebook live. You had you had awesome guests as well, and you were talking about this thing about confidence, about life, improving oneself, and basically seeking joy, happiness, all that stuff. And you're also a femininity coach, confidence yes. and femininity coach, and at the same time a life coach. So how did this all start, your coaching journey? Okay, so this really started with my friend who, um, she was going through a lot uh, about a year before the pandemic started. And she came to me um, asking for help, asking for guidance, asking for what is it that she um, should do next. And I really felt like I wasn't really equipped to help her out because she was dealing with very heavy grief. She was dealing with very heavy loss. Um, she lost both her parents basically two months apart. And she's an only child, so she really felt alone. And she wasn't sure what she would do. Um, so I actually, um, I said, okay, let me let me see what I can do, right? Because I have the resources that I can spend to actually train to become a life coach. Um, before that, I actually went into counseling and um, was going into life coaching. And I thought life coaching for me was more uh, was more suited because it's more forward thinking. Like it's about your actions moving forward, um, and. So (laughs) funny story is when I said that to the universe, that hey, I want to be a life coach, um, it sent me exactly the right person to help me do that. So I was scrolling through Bumble. (laughs) I don't know if you know the app, the dating app, but I was scrolling through Bumble and I saw this guy and, you know, I was like, oh, he looks cute. He has a motorbike and he looks good in a suit and everything. And he's a life coach. So, okay, let's do this. Let's, let's talk. Um, So I messaged him and then we went on a, a, a date and he told me all about how he became a life coach. So I did the same thing and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the process of getting to know myself um, so that I can help others more powerfully. Because the thing is, um, 
you know, for for people in the self-development industry right now, you know, the work is always constant and the work is always ongoing. And when I started it, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much inside of me that I had no idea was just hiding under the rocks. And when I started turning one rock after another, I just got so um, engrossed in it. And yeah, so then uh, it went down to me being coached and then me getting my own certification because that's just what I feel like um, my passion is and my purpose is to help others go through um, their hard times because you know we, we all have we all have all these voices that tell us that we're not good enough that judge us that judge ourselves harshly we judge other people harshly and we're not aware that those are actually just coming from um, programming that we had as a child and um, back then, we didn't really have the tools to discern whether or not this is a belief that I want to keep for myself or is this going to or, or do I, you know, just let go of this and make my own beliefs. Um, and I think during the time of the pandemic, that became so apparent with the, the burst of mental health, emotional health and all of these things, you know, um, when we got the time to introspect, we started to see exactly like where those beliefs are coming from and how they're holding us back um, and that's why I think everything is just it was in good timing um, in a sense that these opportunities became available for me to be certified as a life coach myself so this all happened during the pandemic when you were trying to help your friend was this during the start of the pandemic 2020 no, so when I was trying to help my friend, that was back in 2018, or like oh, okay. 2018, 2019. All right. Um, yeah, and then I went through my own, like I went through a coaching program where I was being coached myself. So I understand like the, what the process is like, how it feels to be a client. Um, and then after that, I was like, yeah, I want to do this. I was so inspired by my own life coaches that I was like, yeah, this is this is exactly the difference that I want to make in the world. And this is how I want to help and contribute. Right. So so in a nutshell, what does exactly what does a life coach exactly do? And what is it all about for those who are not familiar? I myself is not so familiar about this. So when I when I, when I when I hear about the word life coach, I think about, of course, life. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking of a person that will guide me on how to live my life, how to make correct decisions or in, in every aspect, something like that. So I really don't know what it is. So what it is exactly that you do here or what, what do you talk about when, when you do life coaching? Okay, so life coaching, I, and thank you for that question, Regin, because it is um, it's, it is a bit of an intangible thing, right? Um, and I always say that life coaching is actually not a service; it's an experience that you get. You don't. You, it's hard to grasp um, your mind around it if you haven't experienced it. So I'm offering this this opportunity for you, Regin. We can do like a session off air. Um, if you want to try what life coaching actually feels like and what the experience is like. But if I try to explain it to you, the best thing I could, I could come up with right now is um, life coaching is about really uncovering your big dreams and your big goals. You know, human beings are not meant to play small. We are meant to create greatness in this world and we are meant to have 
um, the financial abundance, the material abundance that this world can offer, the, the emotional richness that this world can offer us while we are here and while we are alive. And the thing is, because of our upbringing and the things that we absorb when we are young about how the world works, about how I'm supposed to be, about how I'm supposed to treat other people, um, sometimes some of those beliefs, um, we take them as our own. And uh, life coaching gives you the time and the opportunity to actually look into those and see, well, are those beliefs actually helping you out or are they holding you back? And I can say that for most of the world, like it, it's a common thing that I've experienced now from my clients, from working with coaches from different countries, from working with clients from all over the world, um, that we all share this, uh, this experience of fear, of fear of going after that dream, fear of actually playing big and putting ourselves out there, fear of trying because maybe we're afraid to fail, maybe we're afraid to be judged, um, maybe we're afraid that it's going to be, quote unquote, the wrong decision, right? Um, and so life coaching helps you develop this, this um, sort of mental muscle to go back to who you truly are. It helps you develop your emotional resilience and emotional intelligence um, so that your emotions are something that actually drive you forward instead of holding you back. Um, it also helps you develop um, that that sort of muscle in your body to actually take action, to move past the fear, and to just keep going, to live out your greatest dreams. Is life coaching closely related to fitness as well because you've mentioned muscle of the bodies is are you talking about physical muscle as well on top of the mental toughness that you were talking about because there was one life coach that was on the podcast before and she's into fitness and spartan races so i was thinking they're kind of closely related so if you're a life coach you're kind of touching the subject of fitness as well to your clients or to yourself um, that's an interesting question, Ridge, and thank you for that. Uh, so there are different kinds of coaches. There are coaches that focus more on fitness. There are coaches that focus on, let's say, grief. There are, fo there are coaches that focus on relationships. Um, for me, I focus on confidence and life mastery and femininity. And um, I think I think what we're talking about here is actually the that that muscle of actually just doing it, like making your body do something that it's not used to do, and it does come up in different ways. Like all of these, uh, so all of the dimensions of your life are all interrelated, right? So it makes total sense for a life coach to also work on, um, oh sorry, for a physical coach to also work on someone's mental mental strength. Right, because sometimes it's really that. Sometimes it's just your mind saying, "Okay, you can't do one more rep." Right? It's your mind telling you, "This is too hard. This is too um, difficult. You can't do this." And once you get over that, it's like, "Oh my God, I actually did it!" Right? So, and then it's it's actually you getting used to doing more of those things that are unfamiliar to you, but you know that are good for you. So, for example, when it comes to confidence, maybe it's about um, 
making your body or helping your body find the motivation to actually post something on social media about yourself, right? Finding, um, helping your body uh, speak up. That was something that I really struggled with, you know, like I used to spend evenings just tossing and turning in my bed, wishing I had said something during that meeting, right? And then feeling so bad because then someone else said that same idea that I had. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, why am I, why am I not putting myself out there? And it was because for me, growing up, it was so unsafe to actually speak up your mind. It was unsafe to show your feelings because you never know who was going to blow up, right? <laughs> because in my, in my environment growing up, it was quite volatile. People, the adults around me who I relied on for, survi for survival, they didn't know really how to regulate their own emotions. And this has been like a generational pattern. And you know what? This is, this, this is exactly the generation that's starting to rise above that. We're starting to actually be clear on like what's what hasn't been working throughout the generations in our family. And, you know, it's it's time for us to break through that and create something else, create something more free and something more something safer for ourselves and for humanity in the future. It's really interesting that you've said that because I, I look at you now as, as a very confident woman and then you've mentioned that before you're even scared to speak up. So yeah. that's really interesting, the transformation that you've gone through. I think especially for our culture, it plays a huge role in terms of, I don't know if, if I can say in terms of confidence, but in terms of speaking up, our culture is not really encouraging people to do that especially for yeah. for for example the young ones and you're having a meeting with with your bosses or the ones who are older than you mm -hmm. compared to the west part of our culture is is not speaking up so i think that played a, a huge role as well in in your upbringing in our upbringing as filipinos yeah. and you've mentioned and i'm thinking life because one of them one of the the motivation of you going into this coaching journey is because of your friend who was suffering from depression and i can i can see that it's closely related to psychology as well you know learning the in and outs of the brain and and how the and the behavior and the result of this for example experience in the past so i was thinking it's kind of like counseling as well because that was your motivation when your friend was depressed and you've mentioned that part of being a life coach is encouraging someone to to go after your goals yes. and i think goals are important not not to really play down the role of being contented or being contented in your current situation it's also very important but at the same time having a goal is is a, a a huge role in terms of your motivation and yeah. and how you live your life i remember this yeah. story i've listened to a podcast uh from joe rogan his guest was tyson fury tyson fury was a boxer a a, a heavyweight champion and he was suffering from depression terrible depression that he attempted to commit suicide a lot of times and he was overeating like uh, the worst that you can experience in terms of, of mental health, in terms of depression. And what saved him is boxing. 
because he said because of boxing because of the workouts because of the trainings that having a goal in mind to knock out the opponent to 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 win the world championship then that kept him going and that was kind of like the solution to his mental health problem so there was a a big championship bout that happened one of his dream fights the heavyweight champion back then was vladimir klitschko and that was his dream fight so so that fight happened and he won that fight it's one of the, the biggest fights in his career and probably one of the biggest fights in boxing and after that he went into a very very high you know a uh, high state because of the championship the money involved but then after that he became so depressed he became so low and they asked him why why is this you had all the money you had all the the fame you know all a person can ever dream of and then after that bout that was like the most serious episode of his depression and he said because after the after the fight i had no goals anymore like i was able to achieve it already and what's next i don't know anything more in life than boxing so the fact that he didn't have a goal after that championship fight he went into depression once again so that that made me realize wow having a goal a person having a goal it's really it's not just achieving money or, or something but it's for own mental health as well or for our own being that's how important yeah. it is yeah i love that story regin and thank you for bringing that up um i also want to go back to what you said about how life coaching is similar to counseling or um yeah therapy they're actually pretty different a lot of people um a lot of people interchange the two and I can see the value in both. And I feel like, you know, both practices have different tools that can be beneficial in the other as well. Um, so counseling is more of um, reconciling with trauma and um, the simplest way I can say is focusing more on the past, um, healing the past and going over like really what happened and how it's affecting you and yes with life coaching we're more forward um the momentum is more forward wherein we actually look at your goals and your dreams and what is the vision for your life it's really that like what is it that you want to create out of your life do you want to create abundance do you want to create love do you want to create um um passion and, and compassion and leadership and inspiration. What is it that you want for your life? What is it that you want your life to stand for? And from there, then you create your goals, right? Because for me, goals are um, just your, basically your stepping stones to create that vision, to live that vision. Um, and I agree, you know, sometimes when we lose sight of your vision and you finish your goal, then it's going to feel so depleting, right? <laughs> because you've lost the, you've lost touch with the vision. Like what is the bigger picture? Um, and yeah, goals are specific. They're measurable. They're time bound. Um, and that makes it more tangible, but without that bigger vision, that goal really has no direction. You can keep creating goals in different, in different aspects of your life. But if, if it's not really part of the bigger vision of your, your life, um, then maybe it's time to reevaluate because your energy might be going into something that actually doesn't really matter to you. Maybe you're just doing it because you want um, 
you want someone else's approval. Maybe you're just doing it because you want other people's validation. Maybe you're doing it just because um, you're trying to fill a hole, right? And then those become goals that are exhausting, goals that are tiring, goals that you feel like you have to do instead of things that you want to do. Um, so yeah, those are the things that we get in touch with when we're life coaching. And um, I feel like, you know, the, the intention of it all is really, really important, getting, to, getting in touch with that intention and with that bigger vision. And you're also a femininity coach and a confidence coach. Two very f interesting, fascinating <laughs> topics or, or words that they want to discuss as well. Like I'm not so familiar with this, especially the femininity one. Like, like what is okay. that and how does it mean to be, to, be, to be feminine? But before that, let's dwell a little bit on your travel life because you've sure. traveled quite a lot. You've been to a lot of places and you've lived abroad. And that's really interesting. You've lived in Abu Dhabi, in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and in New York, USA. So yes. living abroad since you were in high school, what are the life lessons or what are the what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned living abroad? Okay, great question, Rajan. And um, I hope that this is a message to everyone who's listening um, today. The first one is really not just because something has been done a certain way, but that's the only way to do it. Because I feel like once my horizons opened up to other people's cultures, to other people's ways of thinking, to other people's um, viewing life, you know, how they see life and how they feel about uh, about living that just really opened up my eyes into like oh my god oh my gosh I've been stuck in a box just accepting what society has said you know what the Filipino society has said to be true just accepting what my parents has said to be this is right and this is wrong but actually there are so many there's an in there's infinite ways of doing things of going about life and one of the things that um, really stood out to me, Rajan, was you know how you said before in our culture it's not really encouraged for children to speak up. It's not really encouraged for children to um, have their own opinions. Um, you know, whatever you're fed in our school system is what it is and you just accept it, you memorize it so that you pass the test. What I found out like living in, in different countries and then traveling in different parts of the world is, you know, that's not how they do that. In other parts of the world, they actually introduce their child like they are another human being and they, you know, shake their hand and they take time to see how they're doing. And they're not just children in the background. They're actual human beings, part of the conversation. They encourage their children to um, put in an opinion when there's a conversation happening. They encourage their children to say, oh, so what are you thinking about this, right? Or what do you feel about this? Um, and that really like, I was like, oh my goodness, that was, that is such a, a such a different way of living because when we were growing up, you know, the children were always separated from the, the parents and we didn't have real actual conversations. Um, so, 
that's what it is holding on to the old way of doing things you know holding on to um the socially accepted way of doing things is not always the only way to do it because once you start traveling you'll start to see there's another way of living and you know it's up to you whether or not you embrace this this one where it's like more free you know that's one of the things that i learned from the greeks you know there's like there's no concept of time and everyone's just flowing everyone's just doing their thing and they seem so much more less stressed out um and even if there are problems happening you know there's still like the the attitude towards the problem is well this is the process and yeah we'll get through it one by one but i'm not going to stress out about it you know instead of like oh my god i'm so it's this the life is so hard and um it's so difficult to go through this right now i don't know for me like having having more flow in my life is uh helps me create a better quality of life for myself and then the second thing that i learned is um you know the the sense of belongingness so i think i mentioned this to you right like i was actually traveling around the world to see where I would retire, <laughs> to see where I, I would settle down, to find a place that actually matched who I am and um, to find a place where I would belong or feel like, you know, this is my home. And what I found out is that sense of belongingness, that sense of acceptance, it's not out there. It's really within ourselves. So those are the two biggest life lessons that I've learned from my travels. That's why I think it's really very important to live abroad uh, at least once in your life or at a certain point of your life. Yeah. Because here in the Philippines, we have, we have a culture of going abroad, of course, but usually we do it for, for many different reasons. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. For most, for, for most, most part, they will think about the, the financial benefit or the monetary reasons, which is totally legit and valid. That's fine, no problem. But the thing is, apart from that, what people don't realize sometimes is the, the the benefit of just being abroad and experiencing the culture on top of the, the monetary benefit. So, so I really want to stress that as well. Like in your in your experience, if you haven't lived abroad, for example, if you just have lived uh, the rest of your life in, in in here in the Philippines, then. Maybe you wouldn't have realized that kind of culture of other people where they, they, they speak up. And especially nowadays, like there's a globalization. And then if you want to really succeed, then you need to adapt to, to globalization, to, to the culture of other people. For example, at work, if you want to be promoted, then you need to be more assertive. And, and part of being assertive is speaking up. So that's one of the benefits of that that you have learned in living abroad in terms of speaking up and you've mentioned as well the the culture of the greeks i, re I really didn't know this because i haven't been to greece yet but that that really sounds amazing like they they have this what you mentioned a flowing kind of like culture they are so relaxed they are so calm in life because i believe that everything in life is maximized when a person is calm like like yeah. like like literally everything for example even in a game of tennis if you're so tense there's a huge chance that you will lose the match yeah. compared to if you're in a calm state everything like 
like think sure. about it everything in life even in, in relationship if you're to, if you're to cling you for example you're not in a calm state in public speaking everything it involves you being calm in order for you to maximize the situation and i think the greeks are so good at that you know looking at movies how they how they how they party or how they celebrate things eating out and not just thinking about the time they're I think they're quite similar with the Italians because, of course, they are in the Mediterranean area. In the Italian, there's a saying that says, the sweetness of doing nothing. Yes. I forgot the Italian term. The sweetness of doing nothing in, in English. And I've, I've read that in the book, Eat, Pray, Love. And mm -hmm. because this American went to Italy and the Italians told her that, you Americans don't know how to relax. Here in Italy, we, we eat, we know how to relax. We have a saying, the sweetness of doing nothing. So those are some of the, like, the lessons that you've learned are really important that we can apply in our life as well. And you've learned this because of your exposure living abroad yes. or traveling abroad. So that's how important it is. Yeah. It's so, and I love what you said about you know the sweetness of of doing nothing. It's just the sweetness of life. It's the sweetness of just being, right? Um, there's so much pressure right now, and this has come from the masculine energy that has been ruling the the world for thousands of years. Um, there's so much pressure right now on doing 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 achieving 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 based on external things like what degrees do you have or what um what positions do you hold in your business or in your career um do you have that big house do you, how much money do you have in your bank account do you have that car or whatever whatever right and i feel like those are some of the things that just are a result of your beingness. It's not really a result of who you, they don't define who you are. Like those external things, they don't define who you are. It is about your beingness that actually created those. And that is to me, to me what is really more impressive. Um, and that is what I value. Because to me, the things that you create in your life show me what's important to you, right? It shows me what your values are. And if you're putting more importance in money, if you're putting more importance on your titles and your careers, more I'm saying more importance because they are important, but I'm saying if it's more important than, let's say, your relationships, if it's more important than um, your own mental health, if it's more important than your emotional intelligence, then that also says something to me. Um, so, yeah. So if you want to talk about this whole feminine energy, right? It is this energy of beingness. And I love the examples that you gave of like the Italians, right? And the Greeks. I'm say, I'm I'm talking about them because yes, they have this energy of like yeah, everything's calm, everything is will just go with the flow and everything, but they actually feel emotions very very deeply. They're very passionate people. Um, and the thing is, they're able to flow with them instead of suppressing them, denying them, making themselves feel bad for being angry or for being sad. No, they don't. They accept it as part of the human experience and they flow with it. So instead of it bottling up inside of them, they express it and um, 
well, they express it in a, in a healthy manner. And then that's it. They let go of it and then they move on, right? Instead of keeping that resentment or keeping that anger and letting it pile up inside. Oh, talking about emotions, you've mentioned the Italians. I, I can, <laughs> we can really see that <laughs> with the Italians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even oh, just yeah. the way they speak, the way they speak, you can, you know, in, when, when I hear about the word Italy or Italian, what comes into my mind is passion. Yes. Like, like they're so passionate in, in almost everything. So they're very emotional creatures. But at the same time, it can be a good thing because suppressing your emotion, according to psychologists, is not good. So for them, they express their emotion and they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. So they're really passionate about it. If you, even if you look at their food, their, their love for food, if you look at their cars, you know, if you think about Ferrari, so that is like a, a, a product of passion. So that's an interesting take that you've mentioned there on how important it is that we don't suppress our emotions and and then thinking about this emotion suppression, I think about other cultures as well. Like, for example, the Japanese, they're not yeah. known to really express their emotions. Right. So I'm not sure if there's a correlation, but in Japan, there's a very high, there's a high suicide rate. Suicide. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a statistician, but I, I just find it interesting, though, that despite of their quality of life, they still, uh, there's still a high rate of suicide and, and looking at their culture, they're not really, they're not really good at expressing their emotion and they're required. If we're, we're talking about the Filipino culture or that we are not encouraged to speak up in Japan, it's even worse there. Mm -hmm. You don't really speak, especially if there's a, it's a very hierarchical culture. Mm -hmm. So speaking up is not encouraged. The number one goal there for them is harmony. That is like, you always think about harmony. If I say this, it might destroy the harmony. So, so those kinds of things. So it's very interesting that cultures of different countries, we can pick some lessons and we can correlate it to, to mental health or improving oneself. That's really, that's really interesting that you're able to see this in your travels. Yeah. And it took, it took um, really deep work. It took a lot of like inner work to actually get through these realizations, right? Um, because if you take everything for surface level, that's fine. <laughs> if you just enjoy what it is and what's happening, that's fine. Um, but I, I love to learn and I love to introspect and I love to um, sort of like analyze different things and See, when I do, I find power because when I when I'm more aware and when I have this knowledge about myself and the world, it gives me the power to make a different choice. It gives me my power to actually make a decision that's true for me and not true for my society, not not true for my parents and not true to for whoever else. It's a choice and a decision that is true for me. I just searched the, the Italian term a while ago that I mentioned the sweetness of doing nothing is actually dolce far niente. Dolce far niente. <laughs> dolce far niente. I like that. I'm going to use that in one of my posts. <laughs> Thank you, Regina. <laughs> the sweetness yeah. of doing nothing. Because yeah. in our cultures, 
today, like especially in the West, you know, there, you should always be moving. You should always be doing something. And and the moment you don't do something, for example, your me time or day off, sometimes you feel guilty. You know, have you ever experienced this? You didn't. Oh, yes. you, you haven't accomplished anything, and then at the end of the day, you feel so guilty. But then once in a while, that 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 should be okay. You know, not doing anything is good as well for you. Uh, have a break. But then because of our, our, our culture nowadays, we feel guilty of not doing something. Um, yeah, and I, I really resonate with that, Regin, because that's actually one of the things that I, I learned to break through. Um, you know, attaching my self-worth based on the things that I do. This is a lie and it is a coping mechanism that I developed because of um, because of the environment that I grew up in, wherein the the validation, the acceptance, the love, um, all felt like it depended on whether or not I did well in school, whether or not I was a good sister to my sister, um, whether or not I did what my parents wanted me to do. Because if I didn't, then I'd get in trouble and then I'd get punished, right? So then as a child, and this, is, this goes with, this is a general um, way of thinking about it. This is a general philosophy around it. As a child, your survival is really dependent on these adults, right? These, these, your parents, they are dependent. You, your own safety, your own... Um, um, your physical needs, emotional needs, mental needs, they're all dependent on these adults. And sometimes these adults are also wounded children. <laughs> they also have gone through a lot. They've also just taken whatever their training was from their parents and then just used them without, you know, evaluating for themselves if this is right or wrong. Because again, you know, it's just a matter of awareness and how much work you've actually done for yourself. And, you know, back then, it wasn't really a thing to go into life coaching. It wasn't really a thing to go into therapy. There was a lot of stigma around mental health and all of these things, right? Um, so I, I would also like to uh, just put a little side note here. It's not, this is not a process of blaming someone else this is not a process of you know well um i'm a victim of of my parents and all of these things of my parents upbringing um this is more about your own awareness and having this knowledge hopefully will help you understand where you were coming from as a child because as a child um if for example your parents did something that kind of caused you to feel disconnected, which is also now we're realizing is trauma for a child. It is scary for a child to feel like they are not loved. It is scary for a child to feel like their their acceptance and their survival depended on someone else's happiness and someone else's satisfaction of them. And um, when when you were a child in this in this underdeveloped brain and you see all of these actions it is also really frightening like life threatening for a child to think that there is something wrong with their parents at that time 
because if your survival, let's say, depended, right, your survival depended on other people, how would you feel if you thought that there was something wrong with them? <laughs> it, is, it is actually threatening your own survival to think that there is something wrong with them. So as a child, your brain goes to, oh, there's something wrong with me. I have to fix myself because there's something wrong with me. It's not them. So then that's where the blame starts. That's where the self-shame starts. That's where the guilt starts, right? Of like needing to do more, needing to achieve more so that, um, so that you have this approval from your parents and then you start to feel safe and then you start to feel like they love you again because they're, you're achieving and they're happy about it. Um, you're not getting punished. Um, and this is, that's actually a pattern that we take with us growing up. Unconsciously, it is imprinted in there. It kind of like forms a blueprint for how we behave as adults. But it is not, again, it is not the only way to do things. Once you get that awareness of, oh, that's why I've been behaving that way. Oh, that's why I feel guilty about not doing anything. That's why I feel guilty when I'm just being myself. Um, then you get back your power. You can be like, well, you know what? That's not true for me anymore. And then you can make a different choice. And I think a lot of, a lot of causes of depression nowadays is like what you've mentioned. Sometimes we think that we are significant because of our accomplishments. And that is, I think, contrary to, to what we are really. There was one guest here on the podcast that, that she said that we are human beings and our purpose really is just to be. Yes. We are not human doings, she said. Our purpose basically is just to be. So you're significant on your own. Like, like just who you are is already yeah. significant. You need to, you don't need to accomplish these things in order for you to be significant, for example, or, or to be important. So I think yes. that's one of the issues there as well. And what you've mentioned was quite scary. That's why parenting is really very, very uh, important, a very serious responsibility because what, yeah. whatever happens when you, are, when you were young from zero to seven, very crucial, will have an effect even when you are already an adult. It will have a lifelong effect. Yeah. And people don't realize this. That's why being a parent is a serious responsibility. It, it takes a lot of research and experience. And you've, you've traveled a lot. What is your favorite country, though, that you've been to? Oh, my goodness. My favorite country, I don't think I can name one. But if I were to go back to just one other place, I think it would be Paris. Because wow. Paris Romantic. to me, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... You know, it's just uh, the vibe is just so romantic, and um, I, I I love being surrounded by that kind of beauty and all those all the artwork and, and the feeling. You know, like just walking through the step and walking through the streets of Paris, it's like you can almost feel all of the stories that have happened, um, all of the inspiration that great artists took from living in Paris. 
Wow, I haven't been to Paris, so so that is that's really interesting. More reasons to go there. Yes, let's go <laughs> and just plan it. And in Paris is, <clears throat> you know, for for sure you've seen the movie before sunset. Was it before sunset? Before yeah, before sunset. Where when they were in Paris, and they were just walking around, going to a coffee shop and just and just talking. I think that's. You know, you don't have to really go to every museum. Just just walking around the city would be would be really good. Would be really very meaningful already, especially having a coffee in one of those coffee shops. Yeah, yeah, and you know what I what I noticed in Paris as well is, um, they love to watch people. <laughs> it's not a creepy thing. It's 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 actually uh, what I sensed was it was their way of being present and connected to everyone else so if you go to paris you'll see that their coffee shops um the seats are actually faced towards the streets and so you're sitting there you're having your coffee you're enjoying this delicious sensation in your mouth and you're smelling this aroma of fresh coffee and um, you're hearing all of the chit chatter and everything, and then you're just watching people go by. And it's incredible because it's such a, you know, the, the, what we were talking about of just being, right? You just be, and you're just there to observe. You're there to, um, you're actually taking part in life as a whole by observing and then connecting to what you observe. I think that's, that's one of the best things that you can do when you travel is to be in the moment. And nowadays, I think we've lost, we are losing it because of our smartphones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just sitting there in a coffee shop at a park and people watching, you will learn a lot. And that's one of the best things to be in the moment to savor the present. So I think for, for travel advice, <clears throat> that's one of the biggest advice that I can give to people as well. When you travel, take time to people watch because you will learn a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Take time to people watch, you know, try out their, their ways of doing stuff. Like try out their lifestyle and not judge it, you know, like just be open to the experience and you you will never know because you see you never know what might work for you or what else you might find about yourself when you're just open to experiencing different ways of doing things and just like what you said and just being in the moment and you're also a femininity coach like what i've said that that's really interesting like i haven't heard that before <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what does it mean to be feminine for example like no one it's not being talked about often right and then a while ago you've mentioned an interesting interesting statement when you said that one of the reasons why i think we are so anxious or we're not in a calm state is because of this masculine energy where we need to accomplish something so i think we need to embrace our femininity to be calm so so can you talk more about these things, the difference between the masculine energy and the feminine energy, especially in your, in your case, you're, you're helping people to embrace femininity. So yes. what does it mean by this? Are you, for, are, okay, yeah, 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 it's up to you. 
tell me more about it. <laughs> I have more I questions. Yeah, yeah, I can see you're really interested with this one, um, and I, I love it. I love this this energy that you're giving because, um, yes, uh, you know, the feminine energy is okay. So let's start from the beginning. Feminine, masculine energy have nothing to do with your sex or your your sexual preferences. Every single person has masculine and feminine energy inside of them. Um, if you think about, you know, the symbol, the yin yang symbol, that's what it is. It's about um, it's about the balance between the two that actually create the harmony in your life. Um, and for thousands of years, we've been under masculine energy as a whole, as humanity as a whole. And um, this is the energy of, of um, hyper-rationalizing everything, right? Analyzing everything, being in control, um, having, having this sense of power in terms of, of um, controlling other people. And we forgot about the feminine energy or actually maybe even maybe we even you know downplay it and and suppress it because we think it's bad right um feminine energy if i can put it into five things it's um it's flow you know just being in the present moment like we said trusting your intuition it's about the sensuality of being alive not I'm not talking about sexuality, but sensuality, actually finding pleasures in your senses, finding, um, feeling, let's, let, let's say, actually feeling the wind on your skin and actually feeling it and not taking it for granted, you know, seeing the world around you and seeing it for its beauty and not judging it and criticizing it. It's about savoring everything that you eat and everything that you put into your mouth. Because you know what? Our body has been given to us as a gift. And it's a gift that helps us experience life more. It helps us experience life to a, to a higher degree through our senses. Um, so that's the first one. It's, it's the energy of flow. Creating that trust in yourself and creating that sensuality. Finding pleasures in everyday moments. Um, the second one would be expression. If you think about the feminine energy as like women and what are we built for? We're built to give birth, right? We're built to give life. And that feminine energy is all about expressing that life through creativity, um, you know, birthing new ideas. Um, and here's the flip side of it. Feminine energy is also about destruction. Um, because sometimes you have to clear out the path in order for something new to come in. Um, so that's the second one. So it's flow, expression. And the third one is motherly love. And what I'm talking about here is unconditional love. Um, whether or not our own mothers expressed unconditional love the way we expect it to deep down mothers have this intimate connection to their children and it is the connection of complete acceptance it is the connection of complete um compassion and and embracing other people for 
who they are and what it is. And we can apply that using the feminine energy to ourselves, to the people who are around us and to our current situations, right? Sometimes it's so hard for us to accept that we can be happy right now just as things are because of this imbalance in the feminine energy. Um, and then the fourth one would be magnetism. So magnetism is about manifestation. It's about your emotional intelligence. Um, because when you're trying to manifest something, it actually is about how you feel inside. So I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Dispenza region, but he studies um, energy. He studies um, um, frequencies and he's into, um, what's it called? Oh, so he talks about this electromagnetic field that every person creates based on their thoughts and their emotions. So he talks about how to manifest using these two principles of energy management. Your thoughts, which are a very masculine energy, um, your thoughts will send out the signal of like, hey, universe, this is what I want, right? But then your feelings are actually the energy that magnetizes them to you. They are, the, the feelings are the energies that bring them closer to you. So when you are aligned mentally and emotionally, um, you know, this electromagnetic field becomes powerful, especially when you're coming from love. It becomes powerful, it becomes bigger, and then you start to, to see that your manifestation powers actually get stronger. But sometimes, because of our mental capacities and because of the, the limiting beliefs that we've experienced, we can say to the universe, hey, I want more money. But then internally, we actually don't feel like we are abundant. We actually are coming from scarcity of like, oh, maybe I won't get it. Um, we are actually coming from fear. Then that manifestation doesn't happen. So it is in that balance of that masculine thought and that feminine emotion that actually makes your manifestations come true, that actually magnetizes your desires to come to you. Um, so that's the fourth one. And then the last one is empathy. Empathy is the feminine energy of being able to be in tune with who you are as a human being and being able to connect with vulnerability and authenticity with someone else. Empathy is about um, creating that, that bridge instead of creating walls. It's the empathy that actually says, um, it's the energy that helps you uh, bring your hand down, offer your hand to pull someone up when they're feeling low instead of judging them or criticizing them for their current situation. It is the energy that says, okay, I'll sit here with you and I'm here with you and you're not alone. And just being there completely honest and completely vulnerable and completely authentic in your human experience. So if you put all those together, um, it spells the word femme. So flow, expression, motherly love, magnetism, and empathy. So that's what the feminine energy is all about. So basically you're helping people embrace this energy, whether that be a male, uh, whether that be a male or a female person. 
something yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting because these are really positive attributes that I, that I can see, mm-hmm. and I didn't know this before. Like 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 what what I've mentioned, like it's not being talked about, and and as a man, we are really encouraged to embrace masculinity instead of femininity, and I didn't know that there can be some. Uh, positive attributes of having these feminine qualities not really sexually but the energy like you've mentioned those things and i think if a man embraces them like you know just just feeling the wind you know brushing her hair or just watching the sunset the sun slowly slowly going down the mountain you know these being present a feminine energy but it's very beneficial for oneself so so this is really very very interesting but then is it naturally like a man does a man naturally have more masculine energy and is a man required to have that masculine energy and a little bit of feminine energy and and vice versa for example a female you are required more to have this more feminine energy but just a little bit of masculine energy or should it be equal or or yeah because i'm thinking yeah that's a that's a good thing but as a man like like should it should it be equal or you should embrace more your masculinity and just a little bit of that what do you think um that's a really really good question regin and that's something that i get often and what i always say is there is no one way of fitting and measuring where these energies are, or yeah, where these energies go to. There's no real one way of, of saying, oh, this person has more masculine, this person has more feminine, or it should be like this, it should be like that. It's not the case. It is different from person to person because we are all unique. Um, and what I would say when it comes to the shoulds, uh, I would just, you know, I, I'd like to put on the table that every time something feels like it should be something, then just check that because that might not be coming from you. That might be coming from someone else, right? Uh, because things that you actually would like to create for yourself, you, you would use words like I choose to or I want or, um, or I get to, right? Like, I get to experience this. I get to do this. Um, and to your question of whether or not men should have more masculine and females sh- should have more feminine, again, it's not, a, it's not a measurable thing. I think it really is about doing that inner work to find what works for you. And maybe a prompt for that for anyone who's listening is as soon as you feel a negative emotion pause and stop and think is this negative emotion because i'm putting too much energy into my masculine do i need to pay more attention in my feminine now and maybe rest and take my take care of myself am i putting too much pressure on myself um, which is masculine energy or maybe am i not doing what I feel like I'm, I, what I feel like I could be doing, which is another way of how the feminine actually, um, if it's imbalanced, you know, it, it comes up as procrastination or um, neediness, confusion. Um, so, 
check, you know, really check. And if this is something that is, you know, it's still something that you're interested in, but you're not really sure, like to whoever who's, to whoever is listening, get in touch with me. We can have a longer conversation about this because there's so much, right? Like when I discovered this, I was like, this is why people are so tired. This is why people are so stressed out and overwhelmed. And this is why people are so hard on themselves and critical of themselves. It's because of this imbalance in these two energies. It's reminded me as well of this clinical psychologist. I don't know if you know, his name is Jordan Peterson. And he, he studied this, the difference between, between men and women. And he said that in general, there, there's not much difference, but for the difference, there are specific things that is appropriate for, for a man and appropriate for a woman, according to his studies as a clinical psychologist. So that's really interesting as well. For example, agreeableness in general, female or, or women are more agreeable than men, for example. So for, for jobs, then that's why most CEOs are men because men are not agreeable, something like that. So he studied this as well. And I think what I can take on what he said a while ago is that it's okay as a man, it's okay to, to embrace that feminine energy contradict, contradictory to what society dictates that as a man, okay, you should only have this. You should, you should be goal oriented. You know, you shouldn't relax. Like, why are you relaxing there? You're a man, you should provide something like that. But once you know why, like feminine energy, there's nothing wrong with that. So that's what. I can take from what you've said and that's really interesting it's really interesting so wow amazing you you're helping a lot of people you're helping a lot of lives by what you're doing andrea good job for that keep Thank on doing you. it especially in terms of femininity and confidence and thank you thank for you. being on the podcast I yes thank it. you Regin, and thank you for spreading um, such wonderful, inspiring stories and putting yourself out there and for having me, for having me. It has truly been an honor to spend this hour with you. And thank you to all of the listeners and our viewers. Any final message for viewers right now, especially those who are suffering from the pandemic mentally? Um, know that you don't have to go through this alone. Wherever you are, whatever you're feeling, whatever the circumstances, things will and can get better. All you have to do is reach out. And how can people find you? So you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook under Coach Andrea Alvarado. I also have a LinkedIn page. Um, the name there is Andrea Alvarado, or you can send me an email at coachandreaalvarado at gmail.com. I have one-on-one um, -on -one coaching programs that are three months long, and I am about to launch a um, group coaching program made for powerful women who want to embrace their brilliance, their boldness, and their beauty in creating the legacy that they want for their lives. All right. Thank you once again, Andrea. And before we end this podcast, I'm going to read this travel quote. So much of who we are is where we have been. From William Langevice. Thank you for tuning in. This has been your host, Reggie. Until the next episode.